1: Good morning, everybody, from wherever this long weekend finds you in the country or in the world, wherever your travels took you, or maybe you're in an airport tuning in, as one person told me they would be this morning, (laughs) so welcome. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, and it's wonderful to be together in worship this morning. I want to thank everybody who makes our Sunday morning possible, which this morning includes this incredible list of human beings. Reiko oda who led us in this morning with a tribute of American hymnody. Ben Rudiak-Gould and Leandra Ram, who are our soloists and song leaders today. Mark Sumner, who is our music director, who curates the music on Sundays every week. Thanks to our camera crew, which today is Don Shearer and Eric Shackelford, and also the incomparable Jonathan Silk, who makes it all happen. He is our Oz behind the curtain. And Joe Chapeau, who's on chat. So if you're online with us and you have any questions, Joe is a fantastic support to make sure you are included fully in worship this morning. Our Zoom coffee hour hosts those who opened the building, like Dan Bernard and Thomas Brown and Remigio, the newest member of our staff here, Susie Bernahola, and also to Athena Papadakos, who did the gorgeous work of bringing the beauty of the season into the sanctuary. I am also blessed this morning to have Mari Esther Magaloni-Ramos with me as worship associate and coming virtually is also Daniel Jackaway In the beauty of modernity that we have all learned to embrace more deeply in this last couple of years. And somewhere else in the building every week there is also a set of teachers and volunteers under the leadership of Allison Jacks, our associate minister taking care of our children and youth, our amazing ushers and greeters, our ushers under the leadership of Linda Messner who welcome you on Sunday and help you get situated. It is a village that makes Sunday morning together possible and last but not least, all of you who are here making community and worship possible. If somebody wants to be part of our ushers and greeters or wants to learn how to work the camera, please let us know, because we are building a more robust team of folks to do that in the months ahead. And so just email to info, this is the simplest, info, I-N-F-O at U-U-S-F dot and let us know you're interested and we'll tell you what that means. And if you're still interested, we'll get you started. If you're here for the first time, please download the order of service. Thank you all for wearing your masks. Everybody who's here is double vaccinated and wearing the masks, which I just remind people, have to continue to cover your nose or they are basically useless. So just keep track of that little slippage, what happens to us all. Just so you know, again, our preacher, our worship associate, um, our singers who sing maskless or speak maskless today, have all had an antigen test in the last hour and there's some space, but you take care of what you need in order to be safe. So if you need to move back or feel anxious and want to go to the overflow room, Thomas Stark King room, please do so. We want to make sure you not only are safe, but feel safe. So help us make that possible for you. We will be singing the last hymn this morning, but not before then. And I want to let you know about our offering, which today is for tenderloin Tessie, which for 40 years has been feeding people Thanksgiving meals and then now also Christmas and Easter meals, started by Perry Spink, who got a few turkeys, the legend has it, cooked turkey dinners and gave them out on the street in his neighborhood in the tenderloin. And then that continued long beyond his life. Tenderloin Testy was his stage name, his drag stage name. And we host those meals, as many of you know, some of you volunteer, that during the high holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, serve as many as a thousand people, which happened this last week. So we're gonna take our offering this morning to support that work in other ways besides hosting them, and all of the energy and um, generosity of spirit and you know, space it takes to make that possible. So thank you in advance for your support of the offering this morning. So, we light a candle as we have for, oh, I don't know, 620 days now at least on the Sundays in those 620 days. For all of those who are not with us in body, but are with us here in spirit until such time as we can safely all comfortably all regather together. So let's sing together our first hymn of the morning, perfect for this morning, hymn number 128, one of my favorites for all that is our life, or I should say hum it with gusto.
2: For all that is our life, we sing our thanks and praise. For all life is a gift which we are called to use to build the common good and make our own days happen. For needs which others serve, for services we give, for work and its rewards, for hours of rest and love, we come with praise and thanks. For all that is our life, for songs bear for failures, pain, and loss. For each new thing we learn, for fearful hours that pass, we come with praise and thanks. For all that is our love, Thanks and praise, for all life is a gift, which we are called to use to build the common good, and make our own days good.
3: join me in lighting the chalice. You can find the words in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Hello, I'm Maria Esther Magaloni Ramos, a worship associate here at UUSF. Thanks for joining us. You can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video and is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter, which you can get by signing up through a link to our connection form that is in the order of service and in the video description. The order of service also lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect, including for our livestream folks, our Zoom coffee hour, which takes place after the service. Those who are with us in person can join a real coffee hour in our courtyard. We just ask that you keep your masks on when you aren't sipping your beverage. We encourage you to look at all the opportunities to be connected, and reach out to deepen your spiritual practices. Weave yourself more fully into the web of community and find what you need and ways to serve here. We want to remind folks about two things upcoming. Next Sunday, for those who don't already know, will be Liz Cormier's memorial service. I'm sorry, next Saturday, will be Liz Cormier's memorial service. Thank you. That service will take place on Saturday, December 4th at 2 p.m. with a reception, weather permitting, at 3 p.m. in the courtyard. Next Sunday, December 5th, please pay special attention. Next Sunday, December 5th, will be a biggish music Sunday, But because there will be singing by a large combined choir, that service will be closed to any non-choir members. So next week, please watch the service on live stream. December 12th, we will resume in person with Reverend Rosemary Bray McNatt, president of the Star King School for Ministry leading worship and a farewell celebration of Thomas Brown and a baby dedication of the newest member of our UU family here. So see you back in person December 12th. For our last invitation this morning, I'd like to invite Millie Phillips, co-leader of our small group ministry program.
4: Thank you, Mariester and Vanessa. One of the greatest programs for building community in this congregation is our small group ministry program. I know a lot of you out there or here present today have been in this program. I see many familiar faces of participants, but if you haven't been in small group ministry, we encourage you to sign up now because we're accepting applications to have people join our existing groups in January. So we have slots for people to join in January. Greg Biggs, who's co-chair with me of the Small Group Ministry Program. We will be out in the hallway after the service with sign-up forms. Or you can sign up online on on the church website. And these groups meet for both in-person and online. And and they will continue to meet both in-person and online because quite a few people have difficulty getting here in person and having the new online small group ministry allows more people to participate. So it's a wonderful program where you get to meet people and get to know individual members of the congregation on a much deeper way. The groups have seven to 10 people usually and discuss a variety of spiritual topics. So we encourage you to sign up for this program. And I have to say, just speaking for myself, that I wouldn't be standing here today in the roles that I have now if I hadn't been part of small group ministry, and it started me on the journey that I am still on. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Millie. Now I invite you to enter more deeply into worship, listening to our meditation on breathing.
5: When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace when I breathe out. I'll breathe out love when I breathe in. When I breathe.
1: Please join me, if you will, in saying the words of our covenant, the promises of the heart that we make to one another. They're printed in your order of service, and then we'll listen or sing along at home to our doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. Well, I put out the call the last few weeks for those of you who wanted to, to send me some snippet of what it was, what it is you're grateful for. I said it could be words or images or songs. I got the first two words and images and the singers today have supplied some of the songs. And so we have today without attribution some of what you are grateful for. In one of the sharings, there's an image that goes with it. You'll see that at the top of the inside page of your order of service. If you would join me, I'll gesture at a moment in breaks between the sharing. Join me in the simple refrain we give thanks for my visiting family, sister, and partner, my extended family and friends across this world, the consciousness of love that prevails when we allow it, knowing we have the choice to work for it, and knowing Whatever name we give a higher power can be correct. We
3: give thanks. So grateful for this community with whom I get to think about the hard and essential questions of what it means to be human and live a good life. Grateful for Allison Jacks and all the ways she's worked to bring families back to church. Grateful for nature, especially Glen Canyon, which reminds me how little control we have over this earth.
1: Grateful for the hummingbirds who are ceaseless in their movement to make the world such a beautiful place. Grateful to Real Dimple for introducing me to the cranberry fig compote about eight years ago, which now tastes like Thanksgiving to me. Grateful to you for asking this question that prompted me to really think about my gratitude. Love you.
3: We We give give thanks. thanks. I am thankful for modern medicine Zoom, meditation, outdoor swimming, community, fiddle tunes in harmony. We We give give thanks. thanks.
1: I'm grateful for the beautiful place I live and the time to paint it. I would not have been able to do so as much without financial support provided by my dear, now 94 year old father. I'm grateful for creative time, this glorious earth and loved ones. Cheers.
3: We We give give thanks. thanks. Despite the pain of the lockdown, the tragic losses of friends and family, the pain inflicted on my family in the form of strife and youth lost. I have a lot to be thankful for. And the thing that I am most grateful for is being able to be back together in worship. The ability to be together in community, hug those willing and talk to everyone is something in my life that I have missed way, way too much. To have it back lets me believe that things are getting back to normal, no matter how slowly. For that, I am grateful. We We give give thanks. thanks. I am grateful
1: for all the beauty in our world. For all that is our life, we give, give thanks. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> In this season of deep national reflection and personal reflection, invited this weekend, I invite us to give ourselves just the gift of some quiet and invitation to deeper presence. And in that spirit, I invite you to find your body, yourself in it, where it is held and upheld by the world, by earth, by chair or pew or cushion, to relax your gaze and turn your attention inward. to your breath, to breathe in peace. Breathe out love. Breathe in. Breathe out. Connect to yourself and life more deeply with each breath as we share the gift of silence. May we carry the depth of presence wellsprings we find with us.
5: lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn, and we are led to those who help us most to grow. So let me say before we part, so much of me is made of what I learned from you. You'll be with me like a handprint on my heart.
0: I am not very good at gratitude. Especially when you consider how little I have to truly worry about. But my anxious brain, steeped in a city and a technology industry that are defined by excess and ambition, so often turns to what I don't have and to ways that my life might not turn out how I hope. I get stuck on these worries and frustrations and wish them away. If only I tell myself I had a little more money or our past political leaders had made different choices, I would not be as worried. I dwell on how great of a life I could live, if only. But obsessing over these worries, being unhappy now because I worry that I will be unhappy later, is counterproductive. I have, by all accounts, more than enough. I am a healthy young adult in a lovely and prosperous city i have a great career that not only provides more than i need but more often than not i like doing while there are many things that could go wrong in my life most of them would be bad luck that no amount of preparation can prevent i could fill my days worrying that i won't get to live my best life and sometimes i do or i can focus on making the most of what i have and do my best to actually live my best life today and make peace with the parts that are imperfect or uncertain so i always appreciate when thanksgiving prompts me to focus on gratitude. This Thanksgiving, I'm very grateful to live in San Francisco. I am grateful for our beautiful fall weather, our highly pandemic conscious populace, our incredible access to produce, and everything else that makes my life here so great. I am grateful more than ever for my health which has been bolstered by three miraculous shots of mRNA and a flu shot. I am grateful for my family near and far, my friends and my communities, including the USF. And I am grateful that I'm blessed with the makings of a great life as long as I stay mindful of my fortune and make the most of it.
5: I'm nothing special. In fact, I'm a bit of a bore. When I tell a joke, you've probably heard it before. I have a talent, a wonderful thing.
4: Cause everyone listens when
5: I start to sing. I'm so grateful and proud. All I want to do is sing it out loud, so I sing. for all the joy they're bringing who can live without it i ask in all honesty what would life be a dancer before I could walk, and she says I began to sing long before I could talk. And I've often wondered, how did it all start? Well, whoever it was, I'm a fan, so
3: read in science magazines that the honeycombs that bees make are some of the strongest and most brilliant structures found in nature. The hexagonal shape of the honeycomb cells makes the hives expandable and structurally durable and makes it able to hold a lot of weight without being crushed. The best part is that the bees don't even have to think about building the hexagons. Their shape comes about naturally from the heat that the bees generate as they buzz about working and dancing and making sweet, nourishing honey. My family moved in with my maternal grandmother, Lupita, After the economy in Mexico crashed and my father, Ignacio, found himself out of work in Mexico City with a wife, my mother, Emmy, and four children, my brothers Nacho, Beto, Lalo, and me. My mother's sister, Socorro, already lived with my grandmother with her husband, Ramiro, and their two youngest sons, my cousins, Pepe and Ramirin. My mother's sister Milo lived in a different house with her husband Alfonso and their two children, Bertita and Alfoncito. but now that everyone was at my grandmother's house, well, there was no way they were gonna miss out on all the fun. So they spent most of their time at my grandmother's house too. One day, my uncle Alfonso blasted into the house, surprising us with the biggest piñata we had ever seen. The piñata was in the form of a ship. The grown-ups filled it almost till it burst with oranges and peanuts mixed with the electric pinks, yellows, and blues of assorted candies. Tio Alfonso climbed onto the roof of the house, and across the way, my father climbed onto the tall concrete fence that surrounded my grandmother's garden to set the overstuffed barge up raucously throwing ropes around trees and rebar to try to make a pulley that would lift the pinata up and down when it was time for the children to take turns swinging at it. It proved more difficult than they anticipated because of the size and weight of the colorful craft, but this only amplified the hilarity. Their joy was contagious. It made my cousins and me noisy and giddy with anticipation. The grill was fired up as the sky dimmed to a theatrical blue that turned my uncle and my father into animated silhouettes, huffing and puffing upon, atop their perches. They were determined that the Erzatz vessel float. The merry prelude to the evening's festivities Made it feel like the whole world was in on the excitement. It didn't even occur to me to ask what we were celebrating. As an adult, I marvel at the way the grown ups in my family were able to take the challenges that life threw at them in stride. There's no denying that they were under very real pressure, taking on hard work. To keep everyone fed and sheltered. Yet they made it a priority to celebrate anything and everything with the entire family, every chance they got. Birthdays, graduations, first haircuts, an especially good batch of menudo, anything and everything was cause to celebrate. With time i have come to see that those celebrations weren't just a lark. They were a skill, a craft, an art, passed from generation to generation, marked by my family's unique idiosyncrasies and shaped by our larger cultural traditions. There was nothing frivolous about them. In fact, I realize now that they were essential. The celebrations were not a distraction during times of duress. We were resilient because they made our lives beautiful. At the center of it all was my grandmother, Lupita the ever-welcoming gentle matriarch that generated so much life and drew us back time and again with her love. I wish I could invite you into the busy little beehive that my grandmother made of that little house in Tampico. Without even thinking about it, my wonderful, lively family created a solid home as they repeated the steps to the dance that my grandmother and all their elders had perfected. It's a dance that springs from the exuberant rhythm of heartbeats past, present, and future. A dance that fortifies a house with its heat and produces the sweetest honey. It's the dance of gratitude. Thank you, my beautiful familia, for teaching me the sweetest dance. Gracias especialmente a ti, Abuelita, por darnos una vida de alegría. Thank you, Abuelita, for making space, for always keeping the door open to welcome all your little bees home.
1: For our next song, we have a change. Even in a time that's so full of loss, the news of Stephen Sondheim's passing feels like a unique punch to the heart, which is appropriate, given that's how his music would often affect the listener. What do you say when an ocean goes away or when a mountain disappears? Sondheim was the elemental and irreplaceable part of many creators' careers, and even their understanding of art and life. The numerous tributes of the past two days are all evidence of that. One such admirer, our music director, wanted to pay tribute and express his gratitude with a song he, as a bass, could vocally attempt and learned 51 years ago. In his words, Sondheim helped carve a place in a world for someone who lived a bit of a curious conflicted life growing up. A world I could possibly even thrive in. I don't really have the words, but Stephen would have.
6: are what you always were which has nothing to do with all to do with her You're always sorry You're always grateful You hold her thinking You always are what you always were, which has nothing to do with all to do with her. You'll always be what you always were has nothing to do
1: Holidays get layered, don't they? I've always liked Thanksgiving, all of the founding myth, struggle, aside. Mostly because it just felt like Sabbath writ large. How you got two days off and then still the weekend was just starting. And having been a city dweller, cities don't get quiet very often. A snowstorm, a blizzard in New York, or a long weekend. Everybody commanded to be closed, although now only for a day. (laughs) And how you could choose to spend it with some good friends or just duck and cover and be in your own company. And really, the only obligation of this last weekend was that you eat something good. And Tenderloin Testy, well, they provided 800 opportunities for that. And really, the biggest necessity of the midday was to nap. All this spaciousness and what comes in. Plus, it had this lovely backdrop to gratitude, to asking us, to think of what we were grateful for. Years ago when I was training for ministry, I was told that in church, but I think it holds in a lot of places actually, maybe everywhere it should, that there were only two things, if you were a leader, lay or ordain, that you were allowed to really say, and they were please and thank you. It was this reminder that in our shared life, All generative life, all life-giving life together works really on generosity of self and gratitude and how these things, how they start to fold in on each other and it becomes this miraculous, magnificent, virtuous force once it gets rolling. It's one example, I think, of the alchemy of gratitude, this force in the human heart that can turn ordinary people and communities into wildly generative, joyful, bold places. Places that shoulds and woulds and musts and, and shame and all the other motivators and money they can't ever get to. All this flight launched in please and thank you. The yes and of improvisation, how it unleashes risk, laughter, and how it is something we can cultivate too, thank goodness. I'm grateful for that. (laughs) Indeed, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed over the years how there are some folks, well, folks see life in such different ways, right? How there are some folks who can face similar disappointments and setbacks and struggles and illness even and feel like they're deflated or targeted by fate, while others can just take it in their stride and see it as part of life's twists and turns and some people point out all the ways life has failed them and some immediately see all the people and ways they're carried through difficulty. Mari and I were talking actually about how my dad and uncle tell a story both about the same vacation. (laughs) But you wouldn't know they were on the same vacation. (laughs) Now, mind you, I'm not saying that you and I were not allowed to grieve, and we're not allowed to name when hard things happen just how hard it can feel. I think that would be denying a piece of the truth. I think that's burying or dismissing real emotions. I don't think that's healthy. But to be able to see the things that come at us, the hardships, as more than hardship, that's the heart for me of trying to find and center in a gratitude practice, in a lens to see the world that feels so much more powerful. Appreciative inquiry, they call it in institutional life, to see what's strong and good and try and build on that. And then there was this week where the pandemic news is that there's this new mutation with. 30 mutations on the central spike, what Delta had just a, what, a sixth of that made it dangerous? And then last week's disappointing acquittal of the white terrorists' attack on a crowd of people, And even though this week we saw justice, I have to say it just recalled me to the news coverage, the layers of carnage, this this beautiful man with his gorgeous smile, 25 years old. And time with family is often really great and often brings up who's not there and hard things we haven't yet resolved. And I was wondering to myself, so how do we see all of what comes at us in life through the lens of gratitude? So I thought we'd take a moment in this litany of gratitude this morning and do that. So I want to give thanks for this blue-green planet that we stand on that spins through space and that anchors us in the miracle of centripetal force (laughs) and gives us, in its spinning, the mixture of day and night and seasons of warm and cold and fallow and fruit. And I was struck looking out at the moon one night that here's, I don't know, isn't it kind of a useless piece of planetary space debris floating in the sky? But it pulls these tides on our earth, on the shores, and it lights up the night, and along with the stars, It always draws me into this universe beyond my little universe of chores and life. Walking the dog some nights, looking up, I'm immediately called into this perspective of this vast expanse of space known and unknown and reminded how small I am, and that's comforting. And I wanna give thanks for this flesh and blood body, mine, yours, it's so resilient, and it's so determined to keep on living, and it's so good at it. All those, all those generations, it's been perfecting its own endurance. How it compensates, even for when things start to go wrong. Like I remember years ago, we were, we climbed the Andes and I got altitude sickness, and and I read about how long it would take to make more red blood cells, and it turns out actually it takes weeks, which made me nervous as I <laughs> vomited. <laughs> but then I read further, and it turns out that your body gets you back on your feet in a day or so, and the reason is because it, it does these thousands, like over a thousand micro adjustments of chemistry and pathways and oxygen use. It's extraordinary. And I give thanks also for how fragile our bodies are. I mean, I once did a memorial service for a young father who slipped on a rainy day and hit his temple, and that ended his life. And I think we're all aware of the fragility of our bodies, but I want to try and give thanks for that. Because it means we don't take them for granted when we're aware of it. We realize the incredible preciousness we have to be in this gorgeous body working so hard to stay alive. And then we're invited maybe to be tender with each other too and touch and feeding and care. And humble about our mortality, if we're wise. And I want to definitely give out a shout to science. I mean that scientists were able to see the constructed intricacies of this most recent mutation on the virus that we know so intimately, and that right now, there are all these folks around the world with their lab sleeves rolled up in night and into the night and through it, testing on what these mutations might mean for us. And then there are all these policymakers who are trying to set policy and healthcare workers so that it minimizes our vulnerability to it. And then there are those public health people around the world who are calling out to us to take care of everyone on the globe and remind us that we're not ever really going to be safe until everybody is vaccinated and safe. And as overwhelming as that call is, can you imagine if we were able to step into that invitation to true interdependence? And for family and friends and for community, I'm super, super grateful. And I know in Thanksgiving, there's two sides often to the coin of family. And so I wanna first say that I'm super grateful and I hope you are too for all the treasure that your families have handed on to you, right? All the wisdom that they passed on, all the coping mechanisms, all the love, all the courage, all the generosity, all the times they made you feel safe and loved, a lot gets handed to us. And there are often also some hard or hurtful patterns that get handed on too, and I wanna give thanks for those. Like there's always some unfinished business of past generations that we're handed and asked to work through as part of this larger ancestral work of healing and wholeness, and that we're given some of it to do and can play a part in the work of human healing. I want to give thanks for our justice system and its transparency, that we can see how it not just reflects the law of our time, but the minds and hearts of the people. And in knowledge, there is clarity and therefore power, as hard as the insights sometimes land. And for the right to protest, even if we aren't always kept safe in it, and for the gift of memory. For the right to recall everybody who lost their lives in the tragic sins of all of our fear and hatred and all the ways it shows up, because I think as hard as the memory is, like the beautiful face of Ahmed Arbery, I think it calls us to the inescapable urgency to finish the work, which if we forgot, we could neglect and at great cost. And I guess I also want to thank the universe for beauty because it's so healing. I went to the symphony this week. Did you sing as part of that? Oh my God. They did Beethoven's ninth. I mean, let's just give thanks for the ode to joy with a hundred people singing it. it. Just gets in your bones. And you remember what human creativity and focus and unity can do when it's focused on beauty and good and truth. And that's a good reminder to get in your bones periodically. And I'm sad also to lose the genius of Stephen Sondheim But I'm really grateful for all he and all other artists leave behind, right? These strains that live on us, that get called out in a moment. I don't know about you, but I I find myself singing lines from Sondheim. Like when I have a moment of anticipation, I'll sometimes find myself singing, much to the embarrassment of my loved ones, something's coming, something good. Or in moments of uncertainty, quietly to myself sometimes, there's a place for us, even if I don't see it. Or how he reminds us no one is alone, no one is alone. He showed us things, many beautiful things that we never thought to explore. For all of this, this week, for all of it, I give thanks. Ways it steers, the ways it anchors. A Life of please and thank yous, practice gratitude over time does, does this thing to us. It alters our perspective, which is to say it changes not only how we see the world, But maybe also what we see and the world isn't changed in that moment but we are focused I think on what we can do and what we have done and who we can be and all the possibilities which is great it's a great way to face any day or week, and particularly all the hard chapters of life. So I'm grateful for all of you also. May gratitude lift us, always, and may it sweeten and inspire the places between us. Amen. Thank
2: you. Their silent majesty. For the stars, for all the heavens, sing we our joyful song of peace. For the sun, for rain and thunder, for the sea.
1: That is our life we come in thanks and praise and so in our comings and our goings may the light of love light of gratitude shine upon us and out from within us be gracious unto us and grant us peace for this this is the day we are given let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.